Welcome to Challenging Christianity. I'm your host, Rebecca Kinnestrand. Do you consider yourself spiritual but non-religious? Agnostic. Or maybe you grew up in a church but don't believe what you were taught there anymore. This podcast exists in that space between all-in or all-out religion. Join us in asking questions that challenge the notions of Christianity. Welcome to Challenging Christianity. This is Rebecca Kinnestrand. I'm here with Daniel Dadashi. We don't have a guest today. Just us. We are, we're unsupervised. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> the inmates are running the asylum. <laughs> oh, my God. Are we? Yikes. So we actually, we have done this podcast. We did it earlier and the sound got all messed up. So we're going to redo it. It's going to be different. It's fine. I don't Nobody even remember what we, what we said. I, feel I don't remember what we, we said either. That was like a month I mean, ago. That's like 10 years, dog years in 2020, right? 10, ten COVID <laughs> years. Well, I've forgotten that. It's going to work. <laughs> I know. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm hanging in there. You know, vaccine distribution has started. And even though I am far from the list of people who are eligible right now to get vaccines, Seeing people I know get vaccines and hearing about it is just, I got a spring in my step. It's a little relieving, right? Yeah. Like the end is in sight. Yeah, I can see that, that light. I'm, listen, I mean, I'm still ordering my K94 masks, but you know. (laughs) Of course. Here's my morbid self. So I think right when this vaccine comes out and we're all going to be fine, like a new bug is going to happen. Something, a total new pandemic is going to happen and they're just going to roll into each other in a dystopian future. Rebecca, you are just, I have two people in my life who do this in addition to you now. That's my sister and my friend Hillary. They are constantly being like, well, the vaccine, I mean, for this bug, what about the next one? And I'm like, please stop. (laughs) I just, I'm just saying it's morbid. Maybe that was the word. I was looking for the word that's not, that's like fantasy, but bad. Yeah. Morbid ideation. Yeah, morbid ideation. Yeah. That's a good phrase for what I sometimes do. We're talking today about the nuns and not n-u-n-s but n-o-n-e-s and that is the category that people check on the box when they're asked what your religious affiliation is and you check none and and you check none right and there's a lot of people doing this um this is an interesting topic that we will touch on sort of over and over in this podcast because that's sort of who, what this podcast is for is to really talk mm-hmm. to those people who check that box and understanding you know ways to reach out to those folks not to evangelize them or tell anybody anybody's wrong but just realizing that there's more than one way to be spiritual mm-hmm. and they choose to these nuns choose to be spiritual non-religious that's what they want to say Mm-hmm. I looked up, um, I always like to start with sort of a definition. So, I like this. Um, spiritual non, did you do that? So spiritual but not affiliated, essentially, is a popular phrase um, used to self-identify a life stance of spirituality that does not regard organized religion as the sole or most valuable means for furthering spiritual growth. I think this is more and more common, especially among young people 
I, when I think of it, it without without doing research, I kind of. What's pictures, a young person to you, Danielle? <laughs> yeah, I'm. I would say I would say under forty would be under like 40. the the group I think is probably growing in the nuns the fastest. I say mm-hmm. probably. I I do know there are some statistics around that too, and I picture someone who maybe was raised with religion, maybe not. Maybe they were a you know Christmas and Easter only CEO kind of visitor. But now values, spiritual practices, maybe um, instead of using the word God, they use the universe. The universe is sending mm-hmm. me signals. The universe wants me to do this. Maybe yoga or meditation, using meditation apps, feel, trying to feeling connected to their fellow beings, but not mm-hmm. in any sort of organized way. Maybe not move, not worshiping in any sort of building, although maybe they sometimes pray or meditate. Uh, when they go uh, going on hikes or alone in their house or doing yoga, kind of this mm-hmm. taking a little bit of what works from all sorts of different religions and incorporating it into something that's very personal as opposed to the community based mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. religious experience that you get at a church. I think that that is super key, and one of the one of the ways that things divert with this because it's very hard to take bits and pieces of things and make it super personal and then also find the a person who's like you're just like me it's like it's always going to diverge you know in some capacity and we had talked about this prior about how that can be a lonely place to be it's yeah. like a great spiritual practice for yourself mm-hmm. but how do you if you do want that community or you're missing that togetherness how do you get that without a church, even though the mm-hmm. word, the term church and all of that is considered, you know, might be a little um, scary. It's a little scary. I- there was, I was reading this article and it said the ch- word church means you need to put on uncomfortable shoes, sit up straight and listen to boring old fashioned hymns. <laughs> I, well, okay, just we're going to do that right away. I love wearing uncomfortable shoes. We're here in the Pacific Northwest where it is like casual, casual all the time. I live for one day a week when I get to put on my heels and a dress. And I will tell you, I am often the only one in that building in heels and a dress, but I have put them on not because I'm old fashioned, but because I, I like to wear heels and a dress on occasion. Yeah, I, I feel that. I usually do that when I'm going to like the theater or something, which I can't do right now. Right. Well, um, and I think another thing we can't do, all the things we can't do right now seem to be the things that involve community. And right. I know from my friends, um, most of whom are not Christian, the idea of a community is becoming more and more attractive to them. Um, interesting. I've, I've uh, talked to more and more of my kind of nun friends who've said, you know, I'm not interested in Christianity. I'm not interested in the church. But there's something really nice about the idea of going somewhere every Sunday and seeing the same people, of mm. like going to events, of work, of being together and knowing people of all different ages. There's something comforting about it. That old-fashioned mm-hmm. community part of it is a lot of what we're missing right now. And so I think people are noticing where it's missing in other parts of their lives. Do I think that will translate to them coming to church? I, I don't think necessarily. Um, but I am seeing more understanding from people who struggle to understand what I find useful about organized religion. Mm -hmm. There's a little more of a, yeah, I, 
I can see. Right now that I've been deprived of my coffee shops and my mm-hmm. classes and all of the things, you're like, yeah, coming together is something. I actually was at the coffee shop this morning. I go in to get um, the coffee that I buy for drip. And the barista there was telling me that they're, the people who work there have become almost family because mm-hmm. they're, they're, it's only them. That's who they see. And also the idea that, hey, we, the sense of what community is and that people were in community, they didn't know it. Mm-hmm. You know, even if you're sitting in a busy coffee shop, you're kind of, you're in a community there. It's not the same as a church community, but the community around you, she was kind of just explaining to me that she's like, well, I think people were in community they didn't know. And then it was taken away from them. And now they're like, oh, this is what people are talking about. You know, so I, that's... I the, the word family with coworker relationships and church relationships, I think there's one thing that I think links those two, which is that you have a little bit of choice in it. And then there's some of it that's not your choice, right? Your family, there's some parts right. you're born into. And then you find, maybe you find a spouse or you have kids or you, you choose parts of your family. You don't choose others. Some of it's your choice. Some of it's you're not. And that's what I see in workplaces, but also in a church community. Like you've chosen to be part of this church. And so that means you've chosen some of these people as your, as your, as your people, your, these are my folks. And some of them, listen, you didn't choose them personally. You might not have chosen them personally, given all the options. (laughs) You know what I mean? But there's some that you would, and it's a little bit of both. And there's something beautiful about it because you're thrown together a bit haphazardly, a bit like a family, a little bit of choice, but not all. I, that's I, I like that vibe about a church. I Yeah, there is that for sure. And well, I just want to go into a little bit on this article talking about, well, the title says, what it means to be spiritual but not religious. This is from The Atlantic. One in five Americans reject organized religion, but maintain some kind of faith. And because we are 92% Christian. Yeah, it said over 92% of religiously affiliated Americans currently identify as Christian. Most spiritual but not religious people come from that tradition. And the term kind of took off in the early 2000s when online dating first became popular because you had to identify by religion. You had to check a box. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So spiritual but not religious became a nice category that said, I'm not some kind of cold hearted atheist, (laughs) (laughs) but I'm not some kind of moralizing prudish person either. I'm nice, friendly and spiritual, but not religious. And I have that problem too when... Ah, you know, trying to self-identify because clearly I'm Christian, because clearly I believe in Christian values and, you know, like we said, that that really difficult term of like, do you believe in Jesus Christ, you know, and what does mm-hmm. that mean and so on. Yep. But obviously I come from that tradition and obviously I'm practicing in that tradition, so I would have to say that, but it doesn't seem to encompass everything that I am and it makes me feel boxed in it makes me feel like a lot of people will misinterpret me, you know, so I would, you know, almost more as likely to be saying, yeah, I'm spiritual, but not religious, which isn't the case at all. <laughs> you know, but, but boy, does it sound more open for making new friends. 
Totally. I think this is very location specific as well. I think it's much more in certain locations. I'm from the Midwest, for example, and I'm sure in the South, um, you know, to be religiously affiliated is more acceptable. You know, mm-hmm. uh, a, a much the term doesn't have a loaded connotation connotation like it can have in other places. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, maybe it's the problem with just identifying checking a box in the first place. Right? You know, I was, I was listening to an interview with a person who was um, conservative and kind of old fashioned. He was a young guy and he was decrying millennials and they were saying, well, you're a millennial. It's like, no, I'm not. And they said, well, were you born between the years of 1980 oh, and 19? 19- he said, well, yes, uh-huh. but, but I don't identify with the, with the, with the views about millennials. And they said, but you are like, well, then what generation are you? You are a millennial. Maybe it's just that the stereotypes aren't always true. Yes. And I Not think facts. it's, yeah, right. <laughs> it's hard though to say like, I'm a, to identify as something that you, when you believe that the other person is going to think something different than who you actually are. And I think this is, you know, there's an example, there's an issue of white privilege about it, of us being able to shift our identity because we don't want people to have negative views of us. So we'll just cover up this little part of ourselves and ease people in. There's a real privilege in being able to, to do that about our own identity. Absolutely. Well, even the other day we were on the phone with, um, we have a financial planner person and, um, they said, Oh, have you done a will? And I said, yeah, we did a will. And they asked, well, who, where'd you find the person to do your will? And I was like, well, we found her at church. And even saying that to me was kind of like, yeah, there was just, there's something Mm -hmm. that I pull back on the words a little bit. And even in our podcast, and I've told you this before when Pastor Katie's on and you and her are chit-chatting and you talk about worship and you talk about the sanctuary and the different things. And, you know, I'm just like, whoa, you know, these words are just, woo, they kind of, they're mm-hmm. off-putting when you, yeah they're not off-putting to me because I know what you're talking about and I'm I'm all with you you know but mm-hmm. I can see how these people who grew up and most of them did grow up in a religion it came from your parents mm-hmm. and determinedly and it is difficult to move away from those things um, as well uh, those loads those words can be loaded they can also just be confusing. I had a I'm close confusing. friend of mine call me two days ago and they were on a Lutheran church website from nearby their house. They live in the area, but not quite close to our church. And they wanted to know about the parking ride in the parking lot. They were on the mm-hmm. church's website. And she had to call me up because she said, Danielle, is this a real thing? One of the tabs on this website says the words liturgical arts. Is that a real thing? And I laughed and I said, well, it probably shouldn't be a main tab on their website. That's a little insider language. But yes, I, yeah, I can explain what it means. Liturgical arts. arts. It was, she was like, this is not, I mean, talk about inside baseball. Liturgical arts is like one of these, um, it's like one of these majors in some liberal arts college, right? Like, where, the, where the parents are like, I'm not paying for this. I'm not paying what are you for this do with liturgical, liturgical arts degree arts? you've got. <laughs> what are and you, you know, the sad about? thing is, we're making fun of it. I bet there are colleges that have liturgical arts degrees. There might be someone listening to, if you're listening to us with a liturgical I, look, arts degree, people, I love it. I just don't like the name. 
I have a degree in theater. There's nothing more useless, okay? I had to go back oh. and get my business degree. So it's fine. It's good for you. I degree love the communication. Arts. I got a degree However, in talking. Don't make it a main tab. Get that down. <laughs> I was just like, oh, they're doing their best, but yeah. So let me continue with a little bit. Let's see. This guy is named Matthew Headstrom, and he's the professor of religion at the University of Virginia, where I'm sure they have a liturgical arts degree. <laughs> He says, imagine if from the time you were born, your parents told you that you were an Italian Catholic, living in an Italian Catholic neighborhood in Philadelphia. You wouldn't wake up every morning wondering, who am I? What should Mm -hmm. I believe? That's already been decided. But young people today, that's a Mm -hmm. good phrase. That's the phrase you used earlier, young people, (laughs) are are selecting the kinds of communities that fit their values rather than adhering to their parents' choices. I think that that's just, uh, I think young people do that. They run off to select their own things. Like you want to divorce yourself from what your parents do to, in order to find out who am I? Who am I outside of my parents' influence? Who am I if I'm left to my own choices in life? Right. So I don't think that that's terribly unusual. I think the, the queen of spiritual non-religious is Oprah you know, mm-hmm. her Soul Food Sunday, it's essentially Sunday church. I mean, she's mm-hmm. just remarketed and rebranded brilliant. It's a little bit, she brings on, what I find difficult is that she brings on all these different people to talk about all their amazing books and their spiritual practices. And uh, she recently had on David Brooks has a new book mm-hmm. out. He was an atheist and he's now not and his journey through that. And all these different people, and I love the I love the intellectual exercise of it. Again, it doesn't give me the community. Mm-hmm. It will. I can read all those books and I can watch her on TV and all those things, but it doesn't bring me a person who sends me a card mm-hmm. during COVID because they're like, "Miss you, haven't seen you in a while." Yeah. And that person I would never know, never normally meet in life otherwise. Um, and for the, for 95 people that I'm just, I don't know their names and I'm barely, I don't, I'm not acquainted with them in church. There's two that I am and it's, it's two that make all the difference. Yeah. You know, that's, that's what stuck out to me in what you read about young people finding communities that better fit their personal beliefs. And a lot of what I find in my friends and amongst my, even with myself too, when I'm finding spiritual practices on my own, um, the communities I'm finding are usually not physical communities. I enjoy meditating. I have friends who use meditation and love meditation. I and everyone I know who meditates doesn't go to a meditation center, doesn't have a meditation group. We use meditation apps. I use Headspace and Calm. Of course you do. (laughs) You know, everyone does. That's how I think of it. There's an app for that. There's an app. You don't need a person. There's an app for that. And boy, was that like a huge selling point. Like (laughs) you don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to like meet any like weird person and like feel it out and like test a million different meditation centers. So you found one that was the right amount of woo-woo for you. Like you just... You, you, you scroll through the videos, you pick the one with the, you pick, you can change the voice to whatever you want. And, and then you, you go. And that was a selling point, but it's also not a real community. I mean, they have a message board on the yeah. app, but does that count as a community? Well, 
I could argue, but no, I would say no. (laughs) It certainly, yeah, it's not someone who's going to call you. It's not someone who's going to send you a card when someone you love passes away. It's right. It's not a dish when you had a baby. And they're Mm -hmm. probably not going to be people of various ages and life experiences. The way you're going to see at a church where the age gap is huge, where you've got people in their 90s all the way down to babies and everything in between. That's not something you see in almost any other kind of community other than church. And there's also something about... um... A church, and I'm also going to include synagogue or you know yeah. mosque or temple. Like, let's just put, let's just go all spiritual and religious and say faith-based center. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> you know Scientology that, too. Why not? Yeah, uh, <laughs> where you check out a little bit of the daily life. We live in an extremely competitive, capitalistic world, and the competitiveness of life and trying to put food on the table and take care of all the needs and do all the things. And you can step into one of these faith-based centers and it, it kind of melts away Mm -hmm. and you get to focus in those moments. Like you're supposed to focus. That's what's the great thing is that, Mm -hmm. you know, that that's those other things are not your focus right now. Your focus is supposed to be inward on yourself and outward on the community in a, your feasting on the spirit at those places and that's the buffet that's offered yeah this guy headstrom uh in this article uh tells the students that spiritual not but not religious designation is about seeking rather than dwelling Hmm. searching for something you believe in rather than accepting something that while comfortable and familiar doesn't feel right in the process of traveling around reading books and experimenting with new rituals he says you can find identity out there and i think this goes back but i like the seeking versus dwelling because again reading the books and watching oprah and you know doing the meditation and everything i feel that's all seeking searching feeding you know all of those things but dwelling to me i dwell in my house Mm-hmm. that house of the Lord kind of thing that mm-hmm. <laughs> that idea like you dwell in a house and you dwell with other people and you dwell in something imperfect usually your house yes. is not usually the ideal house you would have in your dreams it's not even usually the ideal version of itself there's usually something out of place or broken or not quite right, or, oh, I'm going to do that room in the next 20 years. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's not ideal. The people in the house, well, pretty close to the ideal. You'd love for them to be 10% less grumpy and 15% more helpful and all the things, but you've still chosen it and it's still yours and you're dwelling there. You're no longer looking for something else, even though this might not be perfect. And I think, so I I like that word for a church community. A dwelling. Yeah, because church is imperfect and the people in it are imperfect and it is not going to match everything you believe. It's just not. And as we said before, please do shop around. I mean, certainly Mm -hmm. all churches are, you know, houses of spirit or what have you, or they're not nearly all the same at all. And so shop around and find the dwelling that works for you and the people in it. I, again, you know, like I was saying, kind of like 95 to 1 or 2, you don't have to be best buddies with everybody. 
You really don't. <laughs> if you I find can... the pieces that work for you and it gives you a sense of peace um, to be there or whatever it is that you're looking for, it, it could be the right spot. And if you're looking particularly for a progressive church, there is a website called um, churchclarity.org. And they, they um, specialize in, they declare churches clear or a level of clear based on their policies towards LGBTQ plus folks and women in leadership. And in order to be verified clear, you as a congregation submit your information about your policies on the LGBTQ plus community, on women in worship, leadership. And then, you, so you say you're all for women in leadership, but are there women in leadership? How many Sundays a month? Do people hear from women in the pulpit? How many Sundays mm -hmm. you know, do you have employees who are LGBTQ plus? And so it's a website that that has, um, you can search your area. You can look up a church you've already been to and see what their policies are. Um, it's a great place to start. I know that's kind of a bare minimum requirement for a lot of folks. It's not going to give you all the information you want, but it's a nice place to start, especially when those things are sometimes a little harder to find in some churches. Sometimes it's a little buried right. down. So you can filter through because, yeah, trekking out to, well, you can't trek anywhere these days, but you can also go on people's web or organizations' websites mm -hmm. and dig in there, dig into, Daniel, what are like the clues when I'm, when I've looked at websites before and I see something, what are the clues that tell you they're more literalist? in mm -hmm. their translation of the Bible. And when I say literal, literalists, I mean they believe that every word in the Bible is a divine inspiration from God and the truth and needs to be adhered to, which we know can't be because the Bible mm -hmm. contra contradicts itself in all sorts of places and ways. All sorts of places. But um, Usually yeah, the ahead. phrase inerrant word of God, meaning okay. the Bible has no errors. I would say glance through, see if there's women in leadership. You can look at their policies towards things like the LGBTQ+, and they'll often dance around the subject. If their answer about LGBTQ+, people being welcome in their congregation, are that they do not judge and people are welcome, that mm. usually means they believe <laughs> that it's a sin, but they're saying sinners are still welcome. Right, right. Which is a real, like, but you're mm. saying it's a sin to be who they are and who God made them to be. It's a way of dancing around it. It's a way of seeming inclusive without being inclusive. What's the website again? So that for filtering? Churchclarity.org. Churchclarity.org. Okay. That's a really good one. We can put that um, up with this episode. Yeah. And also I would assume a lot of these places are online now so that mm -hmm. it can really reach because I, I feel for folks that I have been in so many places where I get asked, and I know I've said this before, I just have the face for it. People come up and be like, do you have a church? You know, <laughs> Where do you go to church? Or are you, do you know God? And blah, blah, blah. I don't Never know why, but every, I think I'm just super approachable. You are or, very approachable. Uh, maybe I'm Gabby. I appreciate being in, being a, you know, a person who I am more leaning on the spiritual, non-religious, or, or at least the progressive side of religiosity and I would just gobble, I would have gobbled up Holy Spirit Lutheran Church, for example, when mm -hmm. I was 19, and I had mm -hmm. no way of knowing that anybody else thought the same way as I did. Granted, the internet was not the thing it is now. <laughs> the internet has made it a lot easier to find out what a church is all about before you're too 
I don't want to say deep in, but before you've made too many personal ties that make it hard to leave someplace. You know, I think mm. I think people are sometimes um, in churches that they don't know they don't just uh, disagree with a little bit, but they disagree with on some pretty fundamental points. But you've got family ties. You've yeah. got com- your, that's your whole community. There's something about doing research before you go to protect yourself in some ways, to protect your heart as you try to find a spiritual community so that you're not falling too deep in love and then feeling guilty or feeling like you're picking one thing over the other. Listen, it's hard. It's very real. I actually have friends who have left um, the Mormon church. Uh, Mm -hmm. Their families are split. Some have left one or two have stayed but it's very very difficult um to live in that kind of split and the ones who stay are like well i have all these people and in this Mm -hmm. case it was these women who have supported me throughout my four pregnancies and i sing in the choir with them and Mm -hmm. you know they have friends slash family of years that they're not willing to give up and yet you know they're completely split down the middle with their families it's so it's very difficult there are there's in between measures you can take whether it's um letting your congregation know how you feel about its stances um congregations are non-profit organizations which means that they are required by law to have um, regular meetings with members of that congregation, that members of that congregation are get to write what the rules are of this organization. This is not an organization that should be ruled by just a few of you. If, if the congregation mm. feels overwhelming about the way you want your, congreg- your this church to go, you can have a say in that. You know, there's you'll we, be ostracized, but you can talk <laughs> up if you want. <laughs> no, we go to a They'll very be like you sinner. <laughs> I, they might. That might happen. I will tell you, our church happen. is very rare within the Lutheran church in that we have very little debate at our congregational meetings. There's a lot of just everyone kind of agrees, and I don't know if they just agree <laughs> so waspy. or That's the waspiest thing it, I've ever heard. <laughs> so waspy. It's so very, and I think part of it is that that's like people agree with the direction. Part of it is like, you don't want to rock the boat, but um, you know, we've had some, some rough and tumble exchanges about things. And the last one was a while ago. I think. Um, I think that's hilarious. I think it's so funny. There was an interesting one. um, I mean, we've talked about on this, on this podcast, I think that we used to have a committee called the social ministry committee and they were an outreach committee that was, for helping nonprofit organizations and advocacy and that sort of thing. Mm. But everyone always assumed they were the ones planning the parties, social oh, ministry. And it, so got it, got it. they said they want to change their name to social justice, but they're labeled as social ministry within our church constitution. Their budget line item is social ministry. So in order to change the name of this committee, it had to technically come up for a vote for a by vote. the whole congregation. Right, right, right. So it was at a congregational meeting and they brought this up and they thought it would be an easy one literally you know, just sign off on it yeah but yeah the head of the committee didn't even show up for the meeting she had another plan and she said well you know and they and everyone said oh it's no big deal send send, send some other person from the committee someone who was in way over oh. their head i'm sure i can't even imagine um and it turns out that 
this was kind of before the phrase like social justice warrior. This is a long time ago, we thought. And so we didn't even realize the word justice would be so political, especially the word social justice. And it was, and people (laughs) were angry and there was some debate and some people voted against the change just because they were like, well, if someone's angry, we shouldn't do it then. I don't want there to be controversy. (laughs) That's also incredibly raspy. So if you're angry, just never mind. (laughs) Yeah. So it makes someone angry. I don't want it to happen, but it was interesting. It was like, it it was like, Oh, we thought we knew the vibe of this congregation. And like, this has brought up a weird thing. Mm. You know, we've hosted tent city before we've been reconciling Christ. So open and affirming to the LGBTQ plus community for 20 years. Like we did not think using the word justice would be controversial. We didn't even cross our minds. And so well, you know. live and learn. There you Let go. Let's talk a little bit more about this term, spiritual. Spiritual is a term that people like to use. It has all these positive connotations of having life with meaning, a life with some sacredness to it. That's an interesting, some sacredness. Mm-hmm. You have some depth to who you are as human beings. As a spiritual person, you're not blindly accepting a faith passed down from your parents but you're also not completely rejecting the possibility of higher power Mm -hmm. because the term spiritual encompasses so much. It can sometimes be adopted by people who would consider who most people would consider to be atheists, Mm -hmm. but to say you're an atheist is to say is still to say you hate puppies. (laughs) It's a taboo. It's a taboo that can understandably put atheists, many of whom see their views as warm and open-minded on the defensive. I have people um, who call themselves humanists. Mm-hmm. Some of I've heard that term, humanists. yeah. Yeah. Secular so humanists? Think, yeah. So spiritual non-religious maybe is like old, like humanist is the no, new spiritual. I like that. <laughs> um, this, first of all, I don't know who this this person with little letters after their name is this professor, but they sound, it sounds a little snarky almost. I got a little, I got some snarky vibes off of their description of spiritual. They're not a philosophy person. They're a professor of psychology, studies the psychology of religion. Okay. Okay, That's pretty nerdy. (laughs) (laughs) Apologies to the, to to the, to the professor. Um, I don't apologize. You're a nerd, man. You're studying psychology of religion. Let's see. I like his assessment of the spiritual as like kind of a, a way of classifying yourself as open. Open, um, yes. He didn't really say any particular spiritual practices, which in some ways is nice. It's, he's focusing more on like how you view yourself and how you want others to view you instead of like the things you check off on a list, mm-hmm. um, which I think is interesting. And I, I like that as- assessment. I think it's probably pretty accurate yeah i just really like the word sacredness that just popped Mm. out at me a life with some sacredness and i think in the end isn't that really what we're working for when you're facing down your hundred years if god bless you Mm -hmm. if you can get that many yeah like what's it all for why Mm -hmm. what am i here for what's the point yeah and a life with some sacredness it's i like the sum in it because it isn't like i'm mother Teresa. it's just like i got some of it in there i did pretty good i guess i can head out now 
it feels achievable. It feels <laughs> yes, like it feels I could do that. I could do that. Some sacredness. I can. I can manage. <laughs> I the can sum. manage that. I could manage to meditate. Well, you know, I'll buy some crystals. I could do that. Yeah, I'll be nice to people. I'll do that. Yeah. You know, be seeing unto the, others. Seeing the the face of God or the universe and the people around me, I could do that on occasion. Sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah. Um, I think maybe maybe, maybe our church would be less scary if we use the word some every some. once in a while. Like you know, that. we we strive to be people who sometimes <laughs> see the face of God and even our enemies sometimes. <laughs> I think that, that's the way I'm going to start labeling myself. I'll be like, I'm somewhat religious. There you I go. Kind of buffers the religiosity of that that really takes the punch out of it I like it (laughs) (laughs) I I think part of what breaks down for me uh with the Oprah way of doing things and not to say I I totally enjoy I love Super Soul Sunday and I I have friends who are um grew up with no religion and all you know I I won't comment on that I just think you do you you do you right mm-hmm. but I feel like when I had kids and I look to for now I'm in charge mm-hmm. of what do I tell them yeah like they they say oh they become spiritual because they reject whatever their parents or they grew up in their parents religion but at the same time my growing up in my parents religion gave me some sort of grounding and mm-hmm. certainly an education that I was able to come back to, particularly in times where I was alone, in times where I was hurting, Mm -hmm. um, in times where I was really in need. And even as far away from this that I am now, like the prayers that were kind of stuck into my head, Mm -hmm. like, um, you know, the Lord's Prayer or the Rosary, you know, I grew up saying the Mm -hmm. Rosary and the words have almost don't have a lot of meaning to me now. It's the reaching out of my soul to mm-hmm. something else, to a, some a higher power, or so, or it's the call for help almost mm-hmm. that I have in those times, and I feel a real groundedness to be able to do that. And if I don't give my kids the chance at having that, I worry mm-hmm. that they will float. Mm-hmm. And won't thrive or survive through these difficult periods. Yeah, that's lovely. I love that. And I don't know, again, I clearly there are people who don't have that and mm-hmm. do fine. But I believe that there are more people on the planet that are associated with religions than not mm-hmm. and even the people who are not to go with the spiritual non-religious and I think that there's a reason mm-hmm. for that what there's do you a, think listeners yeah what do you think we don't uh you may think that you're bothering us but we actually love getting mail so let us know what you think and please if whatever uh device you're listening to us on whatever platform give us good ratings five stars whatever it is that you do and that'll boost us up to the top of the list so other people can find us so 
rank us, rate us. I don't know if they can subscribe to us, whatever it is that you can do. I subscribe. I subscribe to my own podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and we'd appreciate that very much. Challenging Christianity podcast at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening. Take care out there. Bye.